Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Welcome in to another edition of the upper quartile slash 1% better. I promise the name will get changed eventually. But there's other news, bigger news anyways, in Colts land. And it doesn't involve a lot of changes, but rather a stalemate, Jim, because... Tuesday came, Tuesday went, JT's still here. He did not go anywhere. He was not went anywhere. We're changing the podcast to the Jonathan Taylor podcast, right? That's the name of it? That's what we're calling it from now on? (laughs) It was an interesting day, interesting week here in Indianapolis because of, obviously, the elephant in the room. JT still does not want to be a member of the Colts. He will not play for the Colts for the first four weeks of the season because they moved him on Tuesday, not off the team but onto the reserve pup list, meaning he'll miss at least the first four games of the year. That is where we're at. I mean, I, I can't, I, I was, <laughs> I will say more. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. Yeah, that's the news. I mean, and it's not even news really. It's nothing changed. Everything stayed the same. I, I, like I, said, I was texting you during, I think Tuesday. And I was saying like, I, I was with you the whole way. Like they're never going to trade and there's not gonna be a market, all this stuff. And then, the market kind of seems to develop a little bit and there was interest and, and it looked like there were teams that were maybe willing to pay him. And I was starting to be like, maybe this will happen. Maybe this headache will end and everybody will kind of get what they want, I guess, except the Colts because they don't want to trade them. But, yep, nothing happened. And then you get the reports that they were asking for ridiculous prices. And, yes, ridiculous prices. Jalen Waddle is a ridiculous price. Jalen Waddle Plus, I think, was the offer. Like, I just want to get this out of the way. If you're thinking it's not ridiculous, go see what Jalen Waddle's about to get paid when he's a free agent and then see what Jonathan Taylor's about to get paid when he's not getting paid when he's a free agent and then tell me it's not ridiculous. Look at the values of running backs and receivers in the NFL right now. So please stop. It's ridiculous. But I will say this, though. The reason why it was ridiculous is because they never really wanted to move him. That's it, right? Is they never actually wanted to trade him and it kind of came out I think it kind of revealed itself, which stinks. So again, like they, I don't know if it was like a tease to Jonathan Taylor at his agent, say, hey, go look, and then we'll negotiate, quote unquote, and then nothing happened. I don't know. Like I said, I this relationship is so bad. I've never seen anything quite like this. Again, I, I said this, I think, a few times in the last couple of podcasts. Like, I've never seen a relationship sour this fast, where it was like Captain America, Jonathan Taylor, to I will refuse to play for you, Jonathan Taylor. It's crazy. Yes, and it is blame to be passed out for everyone, top down from Jim Irsay to Jonathan Taylor to JT's agent, Malki Kawa, none of it has really been professional, at least to the degree they needed it to be a few months ago, a few weeks ago, because I think the public nature of everything really changed the tenor of whatever negotiations, non-negotiations, Whatever was happening, it never really felt like the respect was there after the tweets and stuff like that. It seemed like after that, 
everyone got dug in about that. And, you know, I asked Chris Ballard about it yesterday because I had to, and I felt like, you know, I'm not going to be the guy that beads around the bush. I'm going to ask you straight up, do you think this hurt? And he basically said, everyone should just be quiet <laughs> because it's not helping. And I thought that that answer was interesting because to me, he can't say, oh, my boss needs to be quiet. But <laughs> you can think it. Right. We all kind of know. But at the same time, it obviously didn't help on JT's side to have your agent go back at the owner. And so I think that Chris Ballard in that sense has sort of been like the adult in the room where it's like I'm dealing with people who are, like he said, being emotional and you're trying to get them to act with a certain level of decency, even if you disagree. And I thought he laid it on thick yesterday about JT. We love him. We appreciate him. He's a great guy, great guy in the community. And, you know, I don't want anybody to think we don't want Jonathan Taylor. Including the teams that are trying to trade for him. Exactly. So, yes and no. <laughs> but, I mean, what did you think of just some of the responses where, again, Chris Bell is in a tough spot. He said he's never dealt with this before, and I believe him because this really is a unique situation. But at the same time, he can't be absolved of this either, at least completely. That's a tough question. You're right. Because I kind of, in my head, when I picture this, like, struggle, I kind of picture him in the middle of this little, like, tug-of-war thing. And, and it, between Jim Irsay and Jonathan Taylor and, and and his agent. And again, again, I'm not saying the agent doesn't didn't do, hasn't been tough to negotiate with or any of these things. I just want to reiterate that the Colts have negotiated with this particular agent before, a $100 million contract with Shaq Leonard. So it's not like this guy just came in and doesn't know what he's doing and is screwing around and all that stuff. So they've negotiated with Malky Kawa before. Anyway. I'll push back a little there because you shouldn't go at the guy who's supposed to pay your guy. Like, I'm not saying the, he didn't make a mistake. I'm just saying, like, right. I feel like there's a rep, there's like a, a a misnomer out there that this guy is like, you know, some fly by night agent who doesn't know what he's doing. And again, whether or not he should have done that with Jim Mercy, again, I'm not saying he should have or shouldn't have, but and he probably shouldn't have. But I'm just saying, like, the Colts have worked with him before in a positive manner. This wasn't like a one time thing. So anyway, yeah, I can't absolve. Chris Ballard for for this. Uh, I think he definitely has a part in it. There were some questions, and I don't know who asked because I just had the transcript, but I don't know who asked it, but it essentially was it was questions like, do you kind of regret saying the things that you said about him last year, which heavily implied that you wanted to pay him? And I think he, in his heart of hearts, he might because I don't think he now has the ability to pay him or wants to pay him. I, I don't know where the edict is coming from, if it's Jim Mercy or if it's Steichen or if it's Ballard, but, and they're saying like, we're just going to go on a freeze right now. Like, Teams resetting, teams rebuilding. Like we're just gonna wait to see what we have before we hand out any more money and commit toward a certain future. And in some ways, I get that, but in other ways, I also understand that he pretty much said we're gonna pay Jonathan Taylor, and now it seems like they don't want to do that. So again, I'm not calling him a liar, but I do think that they had to go. He had to maybe go back on some of the words that he had said. And again, he communicated with Jonathan Taylor, but there was a particular question I'd have to find in the transcript again where it seems like he said like. I've been communicating with him constantly, but it, maybe there's some things I said that I you know, couldn't follow through on. He did say, I never want JT, and this is verbatim. He's like, I don't want to lead him down a path and say, okay, give it. And then he looks at me and says, you're a liar. That, no, we're not going to do that. You don't want to make false promises that you can't keep, especially with players, because the second you do it, you're done. I know it looks not the best right now, but I know I've never lied to him. I know that. I never lied to him. And so, to your point, there may have been some instances where Chris Ballard 
may have said something, but I do believe him at his word on that. They didn't sure. come out and say, we're going to give you whatever, but maybe there was a moment where it was easy to presume that. And then there was a pivot because again, if you listen to what he said back in, I think January, it was like, Oh, great players. You pay them. And that's what we do. And he said that line again yesterday at the end when I, uh, Jumped in the fray like, wait a second. No, 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 no. If he's so great, and this is where I'm a bit confused, not confused, but where I find it a bit contradictory is where he's, you know, I asked the question at the end of the presser and I said, is the reason why this negotiation or lack thereof so contentious because he's a running back? Because it's a position that we know is expendable, is replaceable. Do you think, and, and it, you know, they have actually my words and my question, tra- you know, transcribed as well. And it says, you know, has that factored into what either he wants or what you think is fair on both sides, being a running back? And he said, you know, let me say this, running back market is what it is. I've said this, I've said this all along. You know, we play our players, we pay great players, yada, yada, yada. The running back market is what it is, but great players are what they are too. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, if you're not saying it's because he's a running back, which I kind of understand why you can't say that, but you could at least say, Hey, there are certain positions where you have to factor in the money or whatever, but you can't just ignore it. And then he says, you know, we won four games last year. We won four games. And now I get it throughout the press conference. He did say we won four games. We've got a new coach in here. We've gone through some changes, but feet to the fire back into a corner. Your answer Final answer was we won four games last year. We won four games. Which is somehow Jonathan Taylor's responsibility or, again, I think, and again, I just said this a minute ago, so, but help me sort through it. It seems to be we stunk last year. We're resetting as an organization. We're not paying anybody any more money until we figure out what direction we're going. Does that seem like what he's saying? Right, and I I did, I asked that question too, and he was saying more or less, hey, we're going to pay guys. Everybody gets paid a different time, which... Again, that's fine. You have, and they haven't. In fairness, they have not extended anybody. They haven't extended Michael Pittman Jr., Grover Stewart, right, Kenny Moore, right. Julian Blackman. List goes on. They haven't extended any of these guys. But the thing that I struggle with is, since JT doesn't want to be a part of your franchise, that's clear. I mean, he could come out any day and say, "Hey, you know, I'll, I'll go play for you all." He hasn't said that. He hasn't. We haven't heard from him since June. He does not want to be here at all. And so, yes, it is smart to hold on to an all-pro running back for as cheap as you can keep him if he's going to, at some point, play for you again. That, we don't know. We don't. We have no idea if he's going to play for the Colts again. While the CBA basically says he kind of has to if they don't move him, at what point does holding on to an asset become detrimental to you if that asset isn't what you're intending for it to be, if that makes sense. Like how valuable is an all pro running back if he doesn't want to play for you? And if his morale, if his attitude, if his anger with the franchise affects his level of play on the field. And this is why I'm thinking to myself, if you knew it was this contentious, why didn't you move him earlier? Because he's saying that relationships can be, you know, amended and the relationship can be repaired and all those things. But in my mind, I'm like, 
you're saying this, you know, Jim Irsay on, on the TV broadcast in the preseason game. Oh, we got to calm the waters. We're glad to have JT back. We haven't heard from him. And that's a clear sign that he doesn't want to be here. We know that. And then I also asked him, if you value him, if you really want him here, why did you allow him to seek a trade? And to that point, he couldn't give a real answer, which, I, you know, why do you think they allowed him to seek a trade, Jim? I don't know. Like I said, that's the part I don't understand is like, and again, like, you know, remember what we heard from Jim Irsay a couple, what was it? When this all started, we are, we are not going to trade Jonathan Taylor unequivocally. We're not going to trade him now. We're not going to trade him in October. And then a month later, they're letting him look for a trade partner. So my question is, and again, I'm not calling people liars here, but I'm just saying, why do we have any reason to believe anything that the Colts say right now about the way these are going? Because things change, right? And I think when you ask what's going, where do we go from here? I think the Colts are hoping, Chris Ballard at least certainly is hoping that Jonathan Taylor's mind changes, right? That, that in a It month, has to be his. If he doesn't say, fine, I'll suit up for the Colts, it's my quickest path out of here, which, you, which to be fair, you and I have been saying since the beginning, his go quickest play. path out of Indianapolis is to just play his best. Again, maybe they let him go. Maybe it's a franchise tag and trade. It could be any of those things. But he's going to have to play in order to get out of Indianapolis or at least get on the field in some way or, you know, be active in some way. Now, I think you can you can say like, well, maybe he, you know, maybe he's not going to give 100 percent or he's not his heart's not going to be in it or any of that stuff. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go. But I guess my question is like, obviously, where do they go from here? But like, what what reason do we have to believe anything that they say? given that in a month it changed. It changed. We're not going to trade him. We're not going to trade him. And they didn't trade him, to be fair, but they let him seek a trade? That seems odd, right? Right. But I think it was to show him that market that you think is going to develop. Although he did have a market, you know, they had legitimate, you know, reports of teams being interested in JT. The flip side is that we're going to keep the price so high that they never really become realistic options anyway. And so that's the part where I think that they wanted to show him we still control your future and what we say goes. And I think the hard part for JT is going to be realizing what is more valuable to your future beyond because right now you're still getting paid. We're on the pub list. But the easiest way to make sure you gain an accrued season is to play at least six games at least six. And until you do that, I think you remain in a position where if you don't go out there and play your future, if they don't trade you could be in jeopardy as far as earning that accrued season, you know, being tied to this franchise for another season. Say they got offered a first round pick, Would they've traded him. I think so. I'm not going to lie. Okay. You do. I was wondering, cause it sounds like you think they put him on the market quote unquote, just to show him, that he has no market or, and then two to show that like they have the power in the situation. Pretty so much. I guess I'm wondering, did you think they ever would have traded him is my point? No, if they got a first, yes, but they're not getting a first, not right, for running exactly. back. And so that would be a great decision in my opinion, because you have an, a guy who doesn't want to be here at a position that is very valuable, but also not valuable in the sense of winning and losing in the NFL. At least it doesn't move the needle as much as other positions. Don't want to say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But, First, he's gone, in my opinion. And then also just the headache, the circus, all that that around it. But my crazy podcast thought is, what if JT were to show up, report, hey, I'm I'm available to play, but go like full, not full James Harden, but like 75%, 
Like he doesn't call the owner or the GM a liar, but he 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 stands in front of us and he says, "I don't want to be here, but I have to. I'm going to play for this team, but I you know I don't care about what happens this season. I don't care about if we win or lose. I just have to play so I can get out of here. Now that would go horribly in the locker room. You probably lose every guy who ever had your back. You know that's that's another thing." But I think if he were to throw a big enough fit and just like talk about how frustrated he is and how he and just repeatedly every single week, I don't want to be here. I never want to play for this franchise again. I'm being forced to play here so I don't lose money. At some point, that noise becomes so loud that you got to move him. And that's why I think trade request or even this one kind of feels like a, a, a demand, like get me out of here or else. I think that's why they're probably pretty effective because – again, how much value is in keeping a guy around who's going to become a distraction. And I don't care what anybody says. Whenever he becomes available, if he becomes available to talk to the media, it's going to be a thing every single week until either he gets traded or he gets a new deal. I think you're right. I think he's not going to hide his displeasure with the Colts. And how would that affect his market going forward playing for other teams, do you think? I know it will make some like football purists mad, but I truly believe, Jim, that talent wins out 99% of the time in the NFL. Because to me, you can look at guys who have had off-the-field issues where they're like actually doing stuff that would make you believe that they're not good people, and people have still picked them up because they're very talented football players. So I think that there still would be a market out there. Now, they wouldn't pay them, but at this point, I'm like, how much of it is about the money or how much it is – I don't want to play for this team, this owner, whatever, anymore. I think there will be a market out there. They wouldn't pay him a ton of money because obviously who would if you're coming off like a weird season where you didn't play or you were disgruntled or upset. But I do think that a lot of teams will still be in on getting him because he's 25 years old or 24. He'd be 25 by then. And he would still be one of the top running backs in the league, assuming that he's healthy. I don't think talent just goes away because he's, he's unhappy. So I think that's – Yeah, I think I agree. I think that's I think that's where I'm at. Does JT just go full shake the table? All bets are off. Every interview, I'm going to tell you how much I hate being here, because he wouldn't like in theory, he wouldn't get fined or he wouldn't get punished for that, because he's speaking his mind. He's and he's showing up like your contract is you have to go show up. But he doesn't have to be happy about it. Yeah, it doesn't say and, you have to be a thousand yard rusher. <laughs> right, and so <laughs> that's the part where I'm like I don't know how much he would really test that out if he doesn't get moved. But I think the next deadline for us on the JT front is probably when he gets off pup or when or when that pup window opens up. You know, is he activated by week five? If is he not, you know, the CBA basically says that you have to be physically able to perform by week six in the final year of your rookie deal so your contract doesn't like freeze and you gain that accrued season along with appearing in or or being available for six games. But the catch there is you have to be physically able to perform by week six, but you don't have to play by week six. Physically able to perform means you have to practice, basically. So he could show up and practice, and for better or worse, the Colts could be like, you know what? We don't actually want to play you because you've been such a distraction or you haven't been here, or whatever the case may be. So it doesn't mean he has to show up and play. It means he has to be physically available. And who's going to force him to basically prove how healthy he is? He can't stay on pup all year, but he could definitely find a way to come off the pup list and still not play. He would just be on the practice, you know, be available in practice, and he could be inactive on game days and earn that accrued season because you have to be what they call six 
games of full pay status or whatever, which is a bunch of jargon for basically you have to be available. You don't have to play. You got to be available. Here's the other thing and why I think that he still doesn't want to be here and why he wants out so badly is they can say that they paid all their players, right? And look at our history. Look at our history. We haven't used the tag, you know, at all, Ballard said during his tenure, seven years. They haven't used the tag as a team since 2013 on Pat McAfee. Not a lot of money, you know, to, for a punter on, on a franchise tag. But why would they? Like, what, what hope Why? What, what hope does he have to think that they wouldn't use it? Because Josh Jacobs came out, had a great season last year. He got franchise tag. Saquon came out last year, helped the Giants win their or make their first playoff appearance, I think, since like 2016 or something like that. First playoff win, it might have been since like 2011, something crazy like that. And he got franchise tag. So JT is looking like even if I come back up those, up those four games and, and, and have a great season, still, you know, crack, you know, whatever, still crack a thousand yards or whatever the case may be, I am not going to get paid because I've seen what other teams will do. And the Colts can say all they want to. We paid our guys. I have said this, and I, I do agree with, with them on this point. The best way to keep him around, not the best way, but the most cost-effective way to keep him around and the shrewdest way is to tag him. Tag him next year, tag him the year after. Then by that point, 27, tread on the tires. Maybe he's declining a little bit and you move on. It's not right, you know, I guess morally or whatever you want to think about, but it's in the CBA. And as Chris Ballard said, it is a tool for them to use. Now, someone asked yesterday, I believe it might have been Holder, where Stephen Holder from ESPN asked, is the franchise tag something that you all are willing to take off the table? And he said, oh, yeah, they asked that, but I told him it's a tool. They're never going to – I wouldn't do that as a GM. That's bad GMing. I wouldn't say we're not going to use the franchise tag. Eh, we might. We should for you. And then he also threw in, hey, it was collectively bargained, which it was. The players agreed to it. So this is why I think that regardless of the emotional frustration of it all, JT – show up. That's your simplest way to at least give yourself a little bit more leverage. Cause right now it feels like everyone's just jerking you around and you haven't really thrown yourself into the conversation and having everyone else speak for you. We haven't heard from the guy. We don't. And that's why I don't even Chris Ballard was pressed a lot on the ankle. You know, is yeah, it really right. hurt? I don't know if it's if the ankle hurts or his back hurts. I don't know, man. Like I said, I, I, I can only go on what I'm guessing his ankle still hurts. I, I get, I, I would think, and he doesn't want, again, nothing would tank his value more than coming back at less than 100%. So Jonathan Taylor is smart if he's feeling any pit injury whatsoever to tell doctors and tell the team, listen, I'm not feeling 100%. Keep me on PUP or whatever that is. I mean, again, I, I wouldn't play at less than anything 100%, especially right now if I'm Jonathan Taylor. Given what you just laid out as a scenario and the James Hardening thing and all that stuff, is it possible they try to trade him in four weeks? I think it is. I think it is. Now, Kevin Bowen, 107.5 The Fan, asked this as well. Will you still allow JT to seek a trade to, you know, go forward with whatever request that he wants throughout the season? And Chris Ballard kind of shut that down like, oh, I'm not going to get into trades. He's still a cult. And so that seemed a little bit more territorial than, hey, we let him seek a trade. It seems like that deadline kind of came and they don't want to talk about it anymore, but it's still an option. And that's why, again, when we talked about what's going to happen, it wasn't the real deadline. If the real trade deadline was this past Tuesday, I think we may have seen a trade. I would have felt, I felt, I would have felt a lot better about the possibility because you would have been locked into whatever decision you made. 
at this point, there's still some wiggle room with the time window they're in. Now, if he is traded, I got this question a lot on Twitter. If he is traded, he still has to miss the first four games of the season, wherever he is. But I think part of the whole ankle issue, and I don't know how hurt he is, how not hurt he is. I mean, we can look at uh, is it Hawkinson from from the from Minnesota who just got the big deal? Yeah, the tight end. He got sixty six million over four years. Yes, yep. he, he had been out. I think with like you know kind of feeling under the weather with an ear infection and something else and got a lot of money. I would expect him to be back on the field pretty soon. So I, I just don't know how much we should feel about this ankle. You know, how hurt is he? But again, Chris Ballard was adamant about it. He's still feeling pain in it. Still not feeling good. And even if he is or isn't, I think JT's at a point where he's like, I'm not breaking my body down for this team. And again, we go back to, hey, we won four games last year. What if you win four again? This team isn't like on paper isn't good. Four, but yeah, might be it. That might they be had five, three wide six. receivers for like three hours yesterday. I say that you know tongue in cheek because obviously they got to make some moves and, and they're not going to go out there like that. And they resign Isaiah McKenzie, so he's a fourth now or whatever. But my point is, what if they go out and stink again? What do you just? I mean, do you just not pay any good players until you finally show something? I just don't understand it. Because to me, if JT is as great as you say, he'll fit in whatever scheme or system you have. Period. So if you're waiting to evaluate how he's going to fit with the team, which I hear a lot, which is a fair statement. I'm not going to say it's not fair. It's fair to say, hey, we're going to hit the pause button on everything. But Chris Ballard didn't say that. He didn't say, hey, we're we're evaluating everything right now. No one's going to get any money, which obviously you can't say that as a GM. It wouldn't be a good look. But he's like, everybody's going to get paid. You know, Everybody gets paid. Eh, but everybody doesn't get paid the same. Like getting paid, yes, he's going to get paid on the franchise tag. We're going to get paid this season. Just not what he thinks is fair. And so he also was asked, and I want to I want to get your reaction to this, Jim, because you were around for this, at least, you know, the, the, some of the Andrew Luck years. He was asked if JT not being there could possibly stunt Anthony Richardson's growth. And his response was, you know, you know, I don't think so. Did it stunt Andrew Luck to not have a star back? There's a few different things. That comparison is not fair to Anthony Richardson, first of all, since, I mean, I don't know how many college games uh, and Andrew Luck played, but it was a lot more. Um, and so he had a lot more experience and was a lot more pro ready when he got there. And it's, you guys, you guys all know how big of a fan I am of Anthony Richardson, what I think he's going to be, but uh, he still needs a lot of help. That said, stunt his growth. No, but maybe, but maybe not help him grow as fast as he could or, or, you know, take a little bit of the weight or pressure off of him as a passer and, and having a guy he can rely on to, you know, there's a difference, man. Like, again, a lot of teams are looking for this, not just the Colts, but like there's a difference when you hand off the ball and you have a running back who takes what's there and gets, you know, eight yards, six, you know, six, eight yards. But and then there's a guy who can hit a freaking home run and take it to that distance and you don't have to drive the rest of the way down the field. I agree. And we got like I said, we're a family show. So we got some guests chiming in, giving us giving us their hot takes on JT runs in the family. But I'll say this. I do think that. To your point, yes. I don't know if it stunts his growth, but I don't think the Andrew Luck comment was necessary at the end. Mainly because the Andrew Luck finish here in Indianapolis wasn't a good one. So to kind of like throw it out there and brag a little bit, I was like, eh, like that, that maybe, I don't say brag, maybe that's too strong of a word, but to at least mention him was not needed. Because everyone's going to immediately be like, well, Andrew Luck was a Heisman Trophy candidate, All-American, one of the best pro-ready quarterback prospects since John Elway. 
which Anthony Richardson is none of those things. As great as he is as an athlete, great human being, by the way, he's not that. So to me, an easy answer would have been like, oh, yeah, great players always you know, help the growth of other young players. But we feel strongly in Anthony Richardson's development and what we have going on here. Yeah, Andrew Luck thing was was probably not necessary to bring up. It felt weird. It felt like he was maybe done, I guess, with that conversation or something like that. I don't know. He was trying to be smart. But yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I, I get I get what he's saying is like as Anthony Richards can it's almost like you were saying with great players and great system. Like if he can play, if he's gonna be great, he's gonna be great. He doesn't need other players to help do that. But I do think it will help his development to have other good players around. So that was a tough response from Ballard, but it definitely seemed like he was kind of getting toward the end of like, okay, I don't want to answer these questions anymore. I don't know. You were there. Yep, I was there. And then I, to his credit, most GMs will probably come out and say, I'm not talking about this. We're gonna keep everything in house. You know, JT's still a cult for now or whatever. He sat there for almost 30 minutes, basically, and answered, I would say, 97% <laughs> JT questions. And I want to reiterate, neither side is really wrong. Now, there were some mistakes along the way, I believe, with the public nature of some of these you know, disputes. But in essence, nobody is really wrong. And again, it goes back to who has the upper hand, who has always had the upper hand. It's the team. So I think that the easiest solution would be to, for JT to show up and play. But do I think that he's going to be in a Colts uniform anytime soon, even after those four weeks? I'm not too sure about that because I just think that the relationship is that broken and we haven't heard from the guy who matters. I mean, they had an open locker room today after Anthony Richardson was named team captain along with six others. And JT's locker is there, but I didn't see JT. You know, I don't know if he's around. They, they said he's going to rehab, you know, on the, at the team facilities and stuff like that, which I, you know, I have no reason not to believe. But we're not going to see that guy for a month. And when we do, if we do, because, you know, just because you can become available after the fourth game doesn't mean he will. That'll become a hot topic all over again. So as much as Chris Ballard was saying, oh, this stinks, it takes away from the stories of guys like Jalen Jones, who's played well and, and risen above and, made the squad and, you know, other things going on with the team that are positive, Anthony Richardson's growth. Until there is a long-term solution or just resolution in general, it's going to be the talk of the town. I think I put it in uh, one, of our, one of my stories recently. Actually, just yesterday, JT's ankle is the most talked-about body part in Indianapolis right now. Yeah, since uh, Andrew Luck's calf slash ankle as well. Yeah, and, and gosh, I've got the comparisons. But I will say, I do think that this is drastically different. Oh, for sure. No, Andrew Luck was not, you know, complaining about how much money he's getting paid because he, you know, at the time he signed the biggest contract ever a Colt. I mean, a Colt quarterback ever had. So that guy got to retire, and and his and Jim Irsay still gave him thirty million. Yeah, I was gonna say they gave him gave him all that money. Maybe JT can call up Andrew and see how nice Andrew is and be like, hey man, I'm (laughs) I'm trying to you know work with this guy and figure it out. But again, I understand the Colts' standpoint. We don't have to pay you until we want to we don't have to pay you more than what we want to or what the cba says rather and jt for better or worse you're stuck man and 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 you're gonna remain stuck i think unless it becomes such a big nuisance and noise that the entire world starts to look at or at least the nfl world starts to look at the colts as being silly for holding on to an asset that doesn't want to be there so I don't know what you get for him. Chris Ballard, to his credit, said we're not going to let him walk for nothing, you know, or walk away for something, you know, just some trade packs that isn't comparable. But at some point, 
especially at that real trade deadline, I think there's going to be some real teams that make real offers because, you know, deadlines per action. And we'll see by then or even maybe a little bit sooner where JT's future ends up and if it ends up remaining here. But I just don't see an out for him. Still don't see an out for him. I do see, again, both sides of it. I'm not even blaming the team because it makes sense from their perspective to not pay a running back, to not pay a running back off injury, to not have to pay more money than they have to for any player. And they don't. But JT also has the right to feel like, okay, if you don't want to pay me, trade me somewhere. And that's why I think that if they were going to trade him, it would it would have happened already. Like, you weren't going to wait till you found out if he was healthy or not to trade him. You know what I mean? Like, I think that they would have moved a lot sooner to figure out, you know, just what's going on with, I would say, the state of the league, the state of the team. So that's kind of where I'm at with JT on the JT front. That's all the updates I really have. There isn't much to it. I will say that, you know, on a more positive note, Zach Moss was out there practice today, throwing the football around, no cast on his arm, looking like he could be, you know, out there by week one. I know that Shane Sykin said today that he's hopeful for it. He's moving in the right direction. They have Evan Hull, who also will get some some action. Deion Jackson was that was out there as well. And we'll see what those guys can do because whether JT's available or not, you know, the first four weeks, they got to figure out who the, who's going to be the target running back. And Zach Moss, I would assume if he's healthy enough by then, would be the starter. And if he isn't, would it be Evan Hall or, or, or Deion Jackson? So it's definitely a pause, I guess, in the JT stuff, because I mean, there's no reason to really ask about him every day. Like we did before, because every day before he went on pups, something could change. But I would say there is going to still be that, that, that elephant in the room, that monkey on your back, that shadow, you know, even if it isn't over the entire team, just over in the corner, when we go in there and he's not there and we know that, you know, a year ago at this time, it was all about how he was going to have, you know, his second great season. Didn't go that way. Got hurt. Season was terrible. Team was bad. And now, you know, again, the team hasn't paid anyone, hasn't extended anybody, but JT is really feeling the weight of that because he's a running back. I don't know what he has to do to kind of swallow his pride or understand that he doesn't have much power. But again, I told you my wild podcast theory, Jim, Go scorched earth James Harden and maybe you get up out of there. I don't know. We'll see. The crazy part is it's not outside the realm of possibilities. It could absolutely happen. Jonathan Taylor could absolutely do it. And this could become one of the worst like breakdowns in relationships in recent memory in terms of, you know, between the team and a former star player. It, it, like I said, I, I, I know I keep saying it, but it's wild that it's gotten here. And honestly, like you just said, like the way the Colts are rebuilding, they're rebuilding on Anthony Richardson sure would help to have a guy like Jonathan Taylor. But like, turn the focus, turn the page. You don't need to pay a running back anyway. Mostly you could probably draft another one, just trade him, get, get what you can for him and move on. I mean, that's, that's kind of the way I would have felt about it, but I know that there are a lot of egos at play here. There are a lot of people who have, you know, more invested in Jonathan Taylor and more invested in, and making sure they maximize his value and don't let him, you know, again, you set a precedent. If you have a guy that kind of, you know, demands his way out the door, demands money, and then you trade him or whatever. So, Again, I don't. I understand the NFL, or you know, they, they don't want to let that happen. Some teams, but yeah, like I said, I keep coming back to the fact that if Jonathan Taylor wants to maximize his money, make the most money that he possibly can, he could James Harden it. But I think the best way for him to do it is to come back and look good. Come back and look good and look as good as he can. And again, maybe that is with a different team. Maybe he can force a trade after he's back from pup in week five or before the week the trade deadline. But I do think he's going to have to play this year if he wants that big deal. 
Absolutely. And again, Chris Ballard said that, you know, they had discussions, you know, trade discussions and didn't get into the specifics, but teams are interested. It just comes down to, okay, if this guy's never going to really want to play for us again, never give his full effort out there, if he does play for us, do we move on from him, get whatever we can, and continue this rebuild, which I would even throw out there. Maybe I'm getting too far down the line, but the trade deadline could be for more than one player. I'll say that. I mean, with this group, I'm looking at the I'm, – I'm looking. I'm like, wow, JT's going to miss the first four games. Whatever opinion you feel about him, he's much better than any other running back they have on the roster. He has more career yards combined than all the other guys combined on the team. He's only been in his the league three years. That says something. That's a factor. How young and inexperienced you are in the secondary, that's a factor. And so I think that this is going to be a rough season. And if it is that, do we see DeForest Buckner possibly get moved? Because he's a guy who doesn't want to go through a rebuild. Is 29, I believe. So I'd understand the Colts want to evaluate a bunch of different things. But to me, if you're going to go all in on Anthony Richardson, which you know they should do, he remains the number one topic, number one reason why anything matters. If the goal is to surround him with talent and, and the talent you're trying to surround him with doesn't want to be there, is disgruntled, hey, recoup what you can, go back to the drawing board, and – allow teams to get like to feel like they have a realistic chance to get that to get that player like I, I it's fair if you say hey we're not giving up a first for jt but if a team comes through with like a second and a fifth or something it might be time to move on you're basically saying we we don't want to pay this guy because he is a running back and if he is a running back and you feel like you can replace him go for it that's my opinion but i don't know if we're going to get a resolution anytime soon i mean for my mental health maybe uh, <laughs> I, I would like it but uh I mean, I feel like I'm a CBA expert at this point, Jim. I can read it all. I can tell you about tolls and all that stuff. The good news to what you're saying is if they trade everybody and they tear it down, the the, the worse the Colts get, the closer you are to getting the next Marvin Harrison. Oh, yeah. So. There you go. There's that name. There's that name. So we'll get out of your hair, people. We'll have a lot more coverage to come. I'll have something up kind of analyzing, again, all angles of the JT uh, saga. And, and And by that, I mean, just looking at, okay, historically what has happened in the past, when this has happened, and if it has happened, what's, you know, the Colts' response? You know, I'll throw out Eric Dickerson. I was talking to Michael Ch- Mike Chappell about it. Back in the day, he wasn't a happy camper either. You know, what happened with him? What does it mean? You know, Edron James, obviously, they moved on from him. even though He was great. One Super Bowl a year after. All those things. And then also, from JT's perspective, what does it mean if he were to leave next year in free agency? What compensatory pick could the Colts possibly get? All those things I'll be researching over the weekend to bring you all the latest on it and and, and kind of add to the conversation from an educational, historical um, perspective rather than, you know, uh, just throwing out an opinion, which everyone has one and you're entitled to it. So excited for that because I think that that's going to be something that teaches me a lot throughout this process. And then also, Anthony Richardson, man, got something up my sleeve for that, for sure. Excited for that because next week, Jim, is game week. So how do you feel about it? I mean, I was say, wait, what? There's going to be actual cold next game Thursday, actually, a week I, from today. I know. Season opener. I'm pumped, man. I guess it's fun talking to you about the Colts and reading about the Colts, but it's much more fun to watch them every weekend and then have, you know, distill my thoughts based on 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 that. And Lila's, of course, here. I'd like to love to ask her about uh, how the Colts are doing. But no, I... uh I'm, I'm pumped. Like I said, I'm excited for the NFL season, excited for Thursday. I had a friend from Indianapolis text me like why he was down on Anthony Richardson. And I was like, OK, I think you're going to be surprised. Like, lay down my reasons. I think, again, it might not all come at once, 
but I think there's just a lot of reason to be excited about it. You just got to give them a little time, be a little bit patient. And I think the Colts, for all their faults that we just went through and all this stuff, they plan to be. They plan to be with Anthony Richardson. I don't know how you feel about it, but that's what I think is going to happen with him. Oh, yes. They're being patient with Anthony Richardson, patient with Jonathan Taylor, and we'll see what happens on the next episode. If anything changes by then of Upper Quartile, we got, uh, again, a lot coming to you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll check in with you next time.